Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. It's especially exciting this year. We, last year we implemented a visionary strategy, we're going to call it that at this moment, uh, of creating when we, when we budget as a church to look at what we did last year and then try to do everything we do at 10% less. And what that does is it creates margin for us uh, to do wonderful things in our community, do wonderful things for other people. And so um, Carlisle is the heavy, so he kind of comes and delivers the hard numbers. And then Pastor Amy and I get to kind of celebrate through some of those numbers. And we have some highlights we wanted to share with you this year. It's no small thing uh, for a church 12 years ago that had zero income. In fact, the only tithers when we started Generation Church was me and Amy. And I had three part-time jobs. And it's like, what was our tithe back then? Our tithe back then was probably like, I don't know. I, don't, I can't even think back then. Oh, my. Things have changed so much. Our kids eat a lot more. I know that. Um, so our stats that we want to share with you, there's some interesting little things. And for you who are guests with us today, I just hope you'll take this as an opportunity to, to kind of get to know a little bit about what our church is, our heart. We are first and foremost about building authentic relationships. That's how we want to connect people. Always we are connecting people uh, to each other, to God. But it's through the, the, through the principle and the practice of authentic relationship. Relationship is always, we say this all the time in this church, but relationship is time over time. There's no other way to build a relationship. You have to spend time with someone over time to get to know them. And the goal of knowing someone is not only to know them, but that they would know you. And when we have that relationship, what we have is a relationship that is very strong in grace and appreciation. And there's also love in that relationship. And the Bible actually says in one place, love covers a multitude of sins. And so that's the kind of authentic relationship you're seeing in this church, is people who genuinely are laying down their time, their finances, their, their availability, even time with, time with people that used to be important to build something authentic with the people that are around them. So that's sort of our main filter. Um, why, we, why we do what we do, why we might spend money on something and not something else. Will it, will it promote relationship? Why do we have donuts every Sunday? They cost money. Well, we just find it easier to visit when you can have a donut and a coffee. So it all goes through that filter. And it sugars your kids up, which is fun for me. <laughs> all right. So just a couple of, of stats that we want to share with you. And these are, these are stats that make, they're things that make you go, hmm. Oh, yeah. I see what, see you're what doing. I did there? Yeah. Yeah, some of you are way too young, and that's a shame. <laughs> All of you who know what I'm saying about, just say, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, good. We're not, we're, we're still here as a generation. That's awesome. So, on any given Sunday, yeah, we, we have an average attendance of about 120 people in 2018. Yeah. Um, that's not everybody, of course. We have shift work, Grand Prix is what it is, but. Over the year, 120 people attend Generations. Which is weird, because I often scratch my head. See, one of the things you need to understand is for a pastor, everywhere you go, the first thing other pastors who are, that's like the people I try to be as cool as, the first thing they say is, so, and they're very spiritual about it, so, Brother Henson, how large is your church? <laughs> and we are... never know how to answer that, because... Well, we do have another number that you like to use in that scenario. No, no yeah. I'm just kidding. We always, we're very right. honest, but there are 482 active profiles in our database, in our planning center system, 482 active profiles, whether it be kids that have checked in, you know, more than once or attended youth group or people that have 
um, wanted to be a part of part of generations, their regular tender that not. So 482 of those, 134 of those say that they're like they're visitors or maybe they're participants where uh, their child attends our youth group, but the family actually has another home church. So out of 482, 134 of them are visitors or or participants. So hopefully you're tracking with us. 482 profiles, 134 visitors. And then we have a little stat for regular attenders. Now the stat tells us that the number of regular attenders, which means they come Four times or more in the year. Four, yeah, at four least. times, or at least four times or more in the year. Or we know that they there's, call there's, this their home church. There's 192 of us that that say we come regularly, but I, I just help me with my math here. Our average attendance is still 120. So something is going on here. I'm not too <laughs> sure weird. what it is. But so. 2019 is starting off strong. We had one Sunday with 157 people already this year. Yeah. So that was exciting. You know, and you keep it's bringing fun. your friends, and, and that's what it's all about. We yeah. hope that this is a church that you want to bring friends to. Yeah, we do hope. And we hope it's a church that you want to bring yourself to. <laughs> like, like, like at least Sunday. half the Sundays of the year or maybe all the Sundays. It's, it's okay. We, we do. It, Pastor Amy's already commented. We know shift work. And, and, I mean, we got like a 1,000 welders in this church. And I don't know what you do if you don't weld in this church. You probably don't even have a job. But... Um, <laughs> Oh, hey, here's a joke. I came up with this joke all by myself this week. <laughs> what do you What do you take if you put a if if you pay, put an electrician and mix it with a plumber? What do you get? A pipeline welder. <laughs> oh, I don't know who's better, who's worse, but I've just been waiting all week to share that with you. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm being texted right now. That's awkward. Um, okay, so, uh, you know, what, we, what we'd like to see is we want to see what this church has, and we're being told by people who come to Generations Church that there's something unique and wonderful, and very, everybody's very positive. Uh, the, the pastors in the Grand Prix Ministerial, you know, they keep reassuring, we hear such good things about the church, and we refuse, everyone say refuse. refuse. We refuse to advertise in a commercial sense. This, this church is not built on, in fact, we've run one radio ad in our entire existence as a church, and we ran an ad in the newspaper for a very, very short time, um, just, just because that's what you did. When but, you started. When you started. First, first But what month. we actually want, we want to be a church that is built and grows relationally. That means you come here, you're like, wow, God is really here. This is amazing. i got to tell a friend. The reason why we do it that way is because a church... It, that exists merely in programs will not be a great church. And it might be good for a while, but it will begin to fail because programs require maintenance. And maintaining programs generally is not life-giving for people. But relationships require maintenance. But the amazing thing about relationship is when you build a relationship and you maintain it, a relationship reciprocates, doesn't it? It gives something back to you. So you might have a friend who's really struggling, someone you've been working on, you've been praying for, you've been just hoping that there'll be a breakthrough in their life, and it feels like so much is taken up. Well, what happens when they finally bend their will to Jesus and God does something amazing in their life? It totally fills you up. And that's what happens when we build authentic relationship with people. We're actually filled by the, same, uh, by the same spirit we're putting out to try and change our community. And so we really would hope that in this year, to put this in front of you, we're not trying to grow a church in terms of numbers only. Uh, we're trying to grow in church in terms of spiritual health, 
in terms of family health, in terms of, of people who can really be impactors and world changers right here in our own city. So it'd be, it would be great if we could build on this critical mass that's forming. God is surely doing something amazing here. We have uh, 180 kids in this church. 180 and, that, are, that have come through our church our in country, the last And that's, and that's like so. from 0 to 12 years old, okay? And so let, just, just, we'll just break this down. I'll do one, you do one. So okay. uh, we have 48 students between grades 7 and 12. Now, lots of those are weekly. They're Wednesday weekly people, some of those. They're not sitting in church. But if you're between grade 7 and grade 12, give me a little woohoo or something. They're all out serving. Yeah. <laughs> this There's is those true. guys, though. There's four of them in the service. You want to know where the rest of our 7 to 12s are? They're out there ministering to your kids yeah. and taking care of things in this church. And we're so proud of that. They're awesome. All right, next one. In uh, kindergarten to grade four, there is 54 kids. 54 kindergarten, kindergarten to grade, grade four. four. Kids. And so our ministries <laughs> for elementary is um, split according to sort of our capacity, also their age. So we have preschool, and then that K to four meets, and then uh, the five to six meets separately. Each Sunday. And in in grades 5 through 6, we have a pile. We have a bubble of kids, and that's 40 kids in 5 to 6. And then the littlest ones. 38 of them in that list. 38 from 0 to 5. And so it's it's, uh, 0 to 5 years old. Sorry, not grade 5. We are obviously a young church. We obviously are a young church. And so those programs, they, they they need your help. And they need your input, and they need your service, and your volunteerism, and they need your prayers. And, they, and we just want to continually put this in front of you that everyone can serve at this church. There's a place for you to serve. Mm-hmm. Um, we have filters in place to make sure we have great people serving. But the truth is, is there's a place for anyone, even someone who is not following Jesus. There's a place, there's a place for, for every person in this church. If you can smile, you're allowed to stand at that door and shake people's hands and hug them as they come in. It's that simple. So, all right, um, we got we to gotta make our miles here. We measure church not the way other churches do. That's why I laugh when someone asks, how big is your church? Because I don't really care how big our church is. What we actually care about is how many people are in pre-service prayer. Yeah, right? That's one, that's one of the main things we decided to decide if we were moving forward. Yeah. And pre-service prayer um, is an amazing time. If you're not attending, you should really think about attending. It's at 1030. So if you come just before 1030, you get choice on donuts, which is a plus. You get to pray. And then we're only 15 minutes because we want to release people to go out and be at the door and greet people as they come in and uh, make it a wonderful experience for everyone who comes to our church. This morning we had about 40 people-ish in pre-service prayer. And we just really felt like as soon as that number grew, we knew that God was about to bring momentum to our church. And so if you've not joined us yet, welcome. Every morning, we'd love to have all of you. It's, and it's amazing what, what pre-service prayer does to a service. Um, there, there's, a, there's a deeper anointing. And if you think about it this way, the more people that are in pre-service prayer, it's almost like the bigger, bigger the bucket is that, that we're building for that particular Sunday morning. And, uh, and, you know, God likes it when we come and spend time with him as well. So there's that. There is also. Maybe that's the best thing. All right, let's keep going. Yeah. So um, along with pre-service prayer, we also decided with our our directors and leaders how we would measure sort of our wins, like what tangible results um, would cause us to know that we're we're doing church well well and healthy. 
And we thought, it's, it's surely more than just who sits in a chair Sunday morning. So of course we get excited when attendance is, is high one week, but there's actually other metrics that we've put in place to measure how well we're doing in different areas. And so um, one, of the, one of the things you'll hear about in Next Steps is just the concept of grow. All of us as Christians, God designed us to grow. We want to be taking steps forward in our faith journey. And so um, from salvation to baptism to all that God has for us using our gifts and, and that sort of thing, um, we, we are just beginning to have a system to help us track who is saying yes to Jesus. And so we don't have statistics on that yet. I would say um, you probably have a small idea of how many people gave their life to Christ last oh, year. Oh, there was a few. Yeah. Not enough. No, you. it's a small number right now. But, but it'll never be enough. Even if just there was one like thousands, more. that would not be enough for me. Yeah, just one more, Lord. Anybody watch Hacksaw Ridge? Okay, it was a bad accent. I, I gave you that. I didn't want to use the accent. So. That's because you're afraid you to do accents. Try an accent for us. Try the next line in Australian or something like that. You know what happens. <laughs> I can't. Okay, well, she just <laughs> falls apart. She's just putty. Um, yeah, so, so we, do, we, we talk about salvation. We want people to meet Jesus. That's important to us. We also want to baptize people. That's the commission of the church. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, this, anyways. Um, we talk about that a lot, so I'm not going to give you a mini-sermon on that today. Um, but we also, we also gauge how many people are actually plugging into church. And so uh, we, have, we have 51 individual people who have committed. Now, there are some who have been with us for all these years, and they still haven't committed. And I don't know what they're waiting for. They're still here. Obviously, you want to be around. You could commit or not. Just say it. But 19, 19 people in 2018 committed. Yeah. That was good. That was awesome. And that helps us know, okay, we've made this our home church. We want to do relationship. We want to serve. We want to be a part of, of what God's doing in this church and give generously. And, yeah. and it's exciting for us. 51 people is a, is a big deal. That's a long ways from when we planted the church in 2006. Yeah. All right. So there are so many things we want to do in our community. And um, just a couple honorable mentions, things that we absolutely got to kill finally in 2018. We sent a side-by-side to Haiti. That was exciting. Great so job. Haiti Arise, our friends that are on, on site, Haiti they have Arise, an amazing ministry. And I'm kind of hoping right now that the side-by-side already made it because many of you are aware about what's going on in Haiti. Just a quick side note, please pray for Haiti, specifically for Haiti Arise, Mark and Lisa Honorat. Um, we will likely, once we, once we gauge what can be done in response there, we will likely be uh, gathering offerings, if you, would, if you wish to contribute, to send through Haiti Arise to, yeah. to help re- relieve what's going on. Right now, at the last report, the city, everything is in so much turmoil, it wouldn't matter if you sent money to them at this moment, because there's nothing to buy. Um, what food is there is there, and they are, you know, I mean, they're, they're well-resourced. They're very, they're very wise in how they've saved and set aside and, and even built their facilities to handle situations like this. Uh, but we really do need to pray for Haiti, uh, for its people. Um, I just, my heart breaks for that nation because it just does not ever seem like they are breaking free from the grip of the enemy. And uh, the day is going to come. Where, where Haiti stands and where Jesus is celebrated, uh, not in terms of religion or, or some kind of Catholic voodoo mix, but where Jesus, as the person who absolutely changes people's hearts and minds and lives, uh, is honored the way he should be in that nation. So we're, we're looking for that. 
so there was Haiti. Now, one of my favorite things that we do at this church is our annual Christmas ladies event. That's pretty fun. Which is pretty fun and is the brainchild of Pastor Amy and some ladies in this church. And go ahead. What do we see there this year? Well, we reached our capacity um, in attendance, and that was really exciting. And on top of that, again, we didn't advertise just trying to have a big event. We wanted um, you to be able to bring someone you were in relationship with and just love on our, our church family, also friends. Um, we were able to reach out to Willow Place and HIV North, and we had uh, a, the percentage of, of people that didn't have a home church was much higher than any anything we've ever done. Such a small percentage of people were from other churches. They were your friends and the, the places we had connections with. And so that was a, a big win for us. We love how people leave that event specifically because they're scratching their head going, why would they do this? Why, 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 how come they love us? How come, how, like, what's wrong with you is something we've even heard before. Like, I've never felt weird. so loved before. Um, I've nev- those are things people are saying. Yeah. That, that's being overheard. That, that's actually the only kind of good religion in the, in the words of Scripture. The only pure religion is to care for orphans and widows. So if you don't know, we, we um, have, have our men serve at that event, and the ladies enjoy appetizers, and they're giving gifts throughout the evening, and they hear the good news about Jesus. And at Christmas, it's very easy to invite people because they're, they're willing to hear. It's Christmas, and Jesus came. It's true. Um, I'm just going to share something with you real quick, but before we do that, just a couple of things um, for 2019 that we're hoping to see happen. Um, We're hoping to see attendance specifically in pre-service prayer grow exponentially. Um, We we really believe that, well, it's not that we really believe it. The fact is, is that God is moved by prayer, that that He moves. He, He responds to us when we call out to Him, and Scripture is chock full of His promises about when we pray. Um, we want to continue to build on the success momentum we're having right now in terms of discipleship. Um, we are seeing people make decisions or move a little closer to Jesus, and that's why Jesus built his church, was to be the hope of the world, to carry the message of the good news of Jesus to everyone. But we want to see that grow into new avenues, new ways, be accessed, accessed by new people. Um, and um, <clears throat> with that, one of the things we're hoping to start very quickly is... is uh, is an, not an event, but a weekly gathering. Uh, some of you have heard it before. It's called Celebrate Recovery. So we're right now in the process of gathering information, and then we're going we're gonna to make that Generation Church's own. We're going to rewrite it where it needs to be rewritten for our church's sake. Uh, but it's a great program for anyone who is struggling with any type of addiction, even anger. That's an addiction, too. It's actually the ugliest of all addictions is anger. Well, maybe not. I don't know. But they're they're just a place for, for men and women to be able to, to gather, receive accountability, uh, and walk through some steps. And then Homes of Refuge is another one that's been on our heart for a long time. We've talked about it before, uh, but Homes of Refuge is an effort. It's three, three different stages. Homes of Refuge, we want people in our church to be able to have the capacity to let someone come and stay with them when there's an emergency. Maybe a complete stranger. Um, we actually just received uh, a, a cry for help this week, and we're looking right now trying to see if we can accommodate that because somebody needs a place to stay while some stuff is sorted out, sorted out at home. 
And that's not the first time. Um, there are a number of us who have opened our homes uh, for even a couple of years for Amy and I. Jana and Carlisle, of course, made what is really a lifelong commitment uh, to someone because of Homes of Refuge. And there are others of you who have opened your homes as well. Uh, Dale and Melina McKenzie have done this kind of ministry before. We want to take it from that to actually providing uh, housing that, that we would own, manage, run as a church, and thinking in terms of those who would come to our new regional hospital that maybe one day will be finished. <laughs> and you can just imagine if you come from two hours outside of Grand Prairie because your child has cancer. And I want Generations Church to be the church that's on the forefront of welcoming and loving those people as they come into our city. It would be great one day for Homes of Refuge to exist in the capacity of, of having a place that's kept where people can stay, where people can be loved on and refreshed, even in the darkest hours of their life. You look like you want to add something to that. I do. <laughs> I think that's why also committing to Generations Church becomes so close to our heart, because there's so many opportunities to love on people and, and be involved, but that commitment helps us know who actually, you know, who actually is someone that we can call on, who is with us. And in that process, we get to know each other a little more. We have um, even a sit down and, and there's people who are going, we have a room in our house or we take people in and we're able to have those types of conversations through that process. Everybody can serve at Generations, but not everybody can lead or will be given um, certain areas of trust and responsibility. So, Yeah, and then the third phase of Homes of Refuge is actually one day we want to be a church that gives houses away. Like, flat out, give houses away. We give away cars. We are giving away a side-by-side. -side. Yeah. And how cool would it be if, uh, if one day we are the church that can... And by the way, God called us to be hilariously generous. That was literally one of the first things our church heard from God was you're going to be a house that is hilariously generous. And by the way, the word hilarious in the Greek, where we get that word from, is the word that's used for the cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That word, that word cool. is the same word, hilarious. And so just think of it. God doesn't just love a cheerful giver. God loves a hilarious giver. And that's something we're excited about because we want to do, do things that people just shake their head. You know, we don't want to be nuts because somebody's wigging out. We want to be nuts because we are absolutely overwhelmingly blessing those who are around us, even people who are against us. Okay, no cheer. We'll work on that. It's a process to love the people who hate you, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it by God's grace, and it's going to be very exciting. All right, I'm going to share with you for just a few minutes because we have a pizza lunch that is out there, and I know nobody likes eating cold Vanigo. Oh, I had to talk about building fund. Just wanted to make sure he still wanted to. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, if you looked at the slide, it was kind of awkward seeing $460 in the, in the line of building fund, right? Yeah. But let them know what we've done outside of that. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so what we do as a church, we talked to you briefly about how we build a budget with margin. And one of the margins we've created is we actually take... Uh, the church actually takes 10% of everything that comes in, and we are setting that aside into a building fund because one day it would be nice not to have to tear down and set up every single weekend. Yeah. One day it would be nice to have children's facilities that, yeah. you know, didn't have leftover teenager lunch <laughs> in them. Well, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of things. But I, I can tell you, we, we are church, as a church, we actually don't really want to go into debt for that. We don't want to be caught in a position where we're deciding between 
hiring staff to do the work of the, do the work of equipping people in ministry or making a mortgage payment. And so we, we're thinking and dreaming long, and we're standing and making a good warfare with prophetic words that we've received about land and opportunity and building. So we set that aside. We'd like to invite you to consider this in this year. Um, this church is 2019. Uh, we have uh, we we have in 2018 we had a whole pile of people join in terms of giving. So when the when our bookkeeper and treasurer look, it looks like we have people who are tithing and that number is going up, up, up with people who tithe. But what we'd like to set in front of you is the opportunity to also give above the tithe. And one of the things we'd ask you to consider is giving to the building fund because the day is coming where God will provide an opportunity for us and we need to be able to move on that opportunity. Um, So it's not that there's only $480 in the building fund. There's a lot more money than that. Um, and, uh, and the team is very, very wise about how we protect that money, how we want to harness that money so maybe it can grow and, and do a little more than just exist. But we wanted to set that in front of you. Um, there are endless opportunities. Jesus said these words. He says, the poor you will always have with you, but me just for a little while. And what, what Jesus is saying there is you can't live your life um, trying to solve the problems and eternally fix poverty in your world. You're always going to have it, and yes, you should minister to that, and you should give to it, and you should be generous, but we've got to remember that we do this because of what Jesus has done in our life. It's because of my relationship with Jesus that I'm the generous kind of person that I am, and, uh, and we, really, we would really love to see these areas grow in the church in this coming year, so we just want to set that in front of you. Is that good? I think that's good. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to take just a few minutes and I want to share something because it's, it's church. I always give you some Bible at church, right? Does somebody not want Bible this morning? It's too bad. You can eat this Bible right now. You can digest it. Yes, Father. That's a good answer, son. All right. Uh, if you have your Bible, just, just open it up or look on the giant screen because I know nobody have your Bible with you. We don't. Who has a Bible? Does anybody have a paper Bible today? No, we are totally digital society now. That's all good. Okay. All right. Uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to have Pastor Amy just read through that. The whole? Sure. You'll stop me. You'll I might stop, st- I might stop okay. you. I'm about John, to preach. So. John chapter 2, verse John 1 chapter two to 11. One. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his, and his disciples were invited to the wedding. The wedding. When the, wi- <laughs> when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, <laughs> just didn't want you to change it. Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. All right. So how on earth is 
Pastor Trav going to make this relevant for Vision Sunday? Well, check this out. <laughs> Ho- hopefully this works. I'm just going to point out, I'm just going to point out a few things. And many of you have probably read this story from the Bible. This is the first, like, public miracle that Jesus did. Um, and I just, you have two options in life. As a, as a follower of Jesus, you really only have two options. Um, and we live our lives in, in two of these ways. And it usually, if I can just be really honest, it's usually the wrong way for the moment. What we often see is people waiting and not taking what's in front of them, even though Jesus is standing right there putting it in front of them. And then the other thing we see is, is people who are waiting for Jesus to put something in front of them, but they're so busy taking whatever shows up in front of them that they never get a chance to actually see what Jesus wanted to do. Anybody feel like you can relate to that story? I do. I, I struggle with this constantly. Lord, is, is this what I should do, or is this what I should do? And meanwhile, he's just kind of like, shh, just be still for a minute. Just listen. I want you to notice the first thing that happens at a wedding when they start running out of wine is people panic. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is panicking. And that's why she runs to Jesus. It's like the biggest insult, but it's not her insult. It's not her wedding. It's not anything to do with her. But people, people kind of panic when provisions get low. People start to get concerned. And as a good, I'm sure, Jewish mother... She was all for schnickered and wanted to make sure that nobody was going to run out of wine at the wedding. And so she, of course, comes to Jesus. I don't know if you can relate to Mary this morning, that you panic when the supply gets low. Come on. Yeah. Everybody's going to put up their hand if you're being honest. We all panic when the supply gets low. But we need to remember something. And Mary, I think, remembered. She knew this, that, well, my son is the son of God. So uh, maybe we can do something about this. Um, but what's interesting to me is in her panic to make sure that Jesus did something, she kind of pushed Jesus ahead of what Jesus was prepared to do, right? Because he says, woman, it's not my time now. And by the way, Jesus was not being disrespectful to his mother. You know, so nobody can go home, Jacob, and say, woman, because boy, <laughs> she will slap you silly <laughs> if you say woman to my wife. Anyways, he would never do that. But she kind of pushes Jesus ahead of his time. He says, it's not my hour yet. And I love this because I think this is how I would respond to my mother too. If my mom, in public, got all pushy with me about ministry, like Brenda would be like, oh, Pastor Trav, this is going on. You really, really need to do something about it. I'm like, gosh, why are you all, you're just let me, let me do my thing, mom. Just let me do my thing. Hey, I revert back to a 13-year-old for sure every single time. Um, and, and I love Jesus' response. Instead of just doing something about it, Jesus does something hilarious. And maybe you've never understood this before. But Jesus points to the water pots that are used for the process of purification. Now, just so you know, the Jewish custom of purification uh, is awkward. Not the process, because it's hand washing or bathing. But the reasons for which they would wash their hands and bathe were pretty widespread. Like if you went to the graveyard, you had to wash afterwards. You know, if you were a woman and you had monthly cycle, you had to wash afterwards. If you, if you were getting up in the morning and had gotten up tonight to use the bathroom, you had to wash your hands in the morning. It was just, there's these, it's ritual practice. And so my point kind of is, is Jesus chose the bathroom pots to perform this first miracle. The, the text says, so there's six water pots, and what does he do? Jesus invites the servants to fill those pots, right? We read that together. 
Here's our problem. So many of us are waiting for God to do something that we're unwilling to take the first steps to allow him to provide for us. Now, many of you can relate to this. I'm not going to drag you out and try to make you publicly admit to this, but many of us really, really struggle because God asks us to take a step, like be water baptized. God asks us to take a step, like actually bend your will, confess me, confess that I'm your Lord in front of people. God asks us to take steps and follow instructions all the time. And some of us refuse to do it or we're incapable of doing it because we're so hurt, we're so bound up, we're so confused. Or maybe we just don't want anybody to tell us what to do. But for whatever reason, she knew that they would listen. So she goes over and says, just do whatever he tells you to do. So he says, okay, well, there's some ceremonial washing pots. Fill them up with water. And the servants went and filled the pots with water. And then Jesus gives the next step in providing a miracle when the resources were running low. He said, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. So they did what Jesus, everyone say, so they did what Jesus asked. So they did what Jesus asked. And they took it and they gave the water to the head waiter. When he tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said, yeah, and usually everybody gives the good wine first, waits till everybody's half cut, and then gives the bad wine. Just the Travis Hansen translation right there. Mm-hmm. Half cut, is that really in the Bible? Not exactly, but close. This was the beginning of what Jesus did, the Bible says. This, this, this was the beginning. And so what happens to you and I is we often say, well, the beginning of what Jesus did was turn water into wine. But if you believe that, I want to tell you this morning by the Spirit of God that you're missing the entire point. The first thing Jesus did was set an example of obedience. Come on. It's right there in the text. The first thing Jesus did is what his mother said to him. Tell me I'm wrong. Somebody tell me that's not what the text said. The text says that Jesus responded to his mother by doing what she had asked him to do. So the first step of Jesus performing a miracle of provision in the lives of the people of this wedding was to listen. Jesus would never ask you or me to do something he didn't do himself. I just want you to know that. And then, like I say, in hilarious fashion, he decides to use something that is anything but food preparation material to do the job. <laughs> of course he did, right? Why? Now, there's a lot of theological explanations of this, but it's interesting. There were six pots, not seven, because in Hebrew culture, seven is the number of completion. And the fact of the matter is, is that in Jewish tradition, the law is incapable of perfecting, sanitizing, fixing anything. Why? Because Jesus is the perfecter, the author, the finisher of our faith, and it's because of what he did at the cross. But people often miss what he was doing here. So he gives his instruction and someone responds. Everyone say responds. When they responded and did what he said, something began to change in the atmosphere. But it wasn't just that they filled the jar with water, was it? That wasn't the only instruction. What was the next instruction? Now draw some water out of the pot. Right? That was the next instruction. Draw some out. Everyone say draw some out. So we filled it up, now we're going to draw it out. And some of us don't want to play that game with God. Well, God, you just filled it up. Now you want me to take some back out? 
Well, duh, that's why I wanted you to fill it up. It's a vessel. Vessels are made to be filled and emptied and filled and emptied and filled and emptied. By the way, you, each one of us, are vessels. To be filled and emptied out, to be filled and emptied out, to be filled and emptied out at his good pleasure. And when, the Bible says, when they drew out the water and gave it to the head waiter, he tasted it and it had become wine. It had become wine. At what point in time did the water become wine? Give me your best theological answer. Nobody? After they drew it out? Come on, somebody else. Come on, somebody disagree with Brian for the sake of my point. When he tasted it, oh, sure. And I'm sure we could all theologically develop this and back this up with some twisting and contorting of Scripture. Let me just remind you, though, this is not about the wine. Yeah. It's not about the wine. It's about Jesus. The fact is, is that it's Jesus who turned the water into the wine, not the fact that the water turned into wine. The water turned into wine because Jesus was present at the wedding and because somebody did what Jesus said to do. Somebody did. Everyone say, somebody did what Jesus said to do. Now let me just ask you, what our city might look like if every single one of us began to do what Jesus said to do? Yeah. And I'm not trying to be principled in this and say, well, you know, you find the answer in Scripture, then we're all going to do this. No, I'm talking about one day you go to your cousin's wedding and Jesus happened to be there and somebody's mama freaks out because there's not enough wine to get all the way through the wedding, but you just smile to yourself, not because you think a miracle will become, but because you know that Jesus is in the room and that's all that's needed. Because mm -hmm. Jesus was in the room. Oh, my body shivers at the thought of Jesus being in this room. But he is. His spirit is right here with us right now. And in 2019, there are going to be so many opportunities, so many things. We've already encountered wonderful and amazing things. We have new relationships for him. We have people who are finding Jesus. We have people who are being restored, marriages restored, built up, set free. We have people being healed. We have amazing things going on. And I just want you to know that it all happens because of one thing. What is it? Jesus. Jesus is in the room. Jesus promises to be in every single room you ever walk into because he says, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. And you might be sitting here this morning and maybe you don't have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me be very, very clear on this. Jesus is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. I'll say it this way in a different reality for you. Christianity is the most inclusive system of believing on this planet. And it's funny because the world and our enemy accuses us of being so exclusive. But it's not. There are many, many ways to come to Jesus. I don't care which road you take. You can follow a star like the wise men did. You know, the wise men were likely practitioners of the occult. They followed a star to find Jesus, but when they met Jesus, what did they do? They bowed and said, you're the Lord. You're the deal. All that matters is that you, Jesus, are in this room. Come on. I don't care how you come to Jesus, but we just need to understand that the Bible teaches, and Jesus loved the Bible. 
He came to fulfill every promise ever made in the Scripture. He's the only way to the Father. And when he says, come and follow me, you need to come and follow him. Because the miracle happens in his word and our obedience to it. When did the water become wine? It doesn't really matter. What matters is Jesus said it. Somebody listened to Jesus. Somebody did what Jesus said. And that's the miracle. The miracle is that you and I can listen to the one who made us, the one who created us, and we can follow through on what he did, and that for some reason, some God, ununderstandable reason, he chooses to use us. I've told you this before. I'm a loser. Three, four, five, six-time loser. But for some reason, Jesus picked me up and he put a robe on my shoulders and he put a ring on my finger. And he said, my son who was lost has come home. And he wants to say the same thing for every single person in this room, for every single person in our city. The Bible says that God's will is that no one should perish, but that all should come. All should come to him. And that's got to be the driving force in our heart as a church. The people need Jesus because he is the answer. You see, Jesus in your life, not a miracle, is what you need. Jesus in your life, not a breakthrough, is what you need. Jesus in your marriage is what your marriage needs. Jesus in your children is what you need. Moms who feel like the world is turning upside down. Don't be distracted by the miracle. Rather, be attracted to the one who performs them, to the one who sustains them, and to the one who makes all things new, who makes all things beautiful in his time. If Jesus can take some water out of a smelly pot that's used for purification ceremonies and make it the best tasting wine of the wedding, what can he do with your pitiful situation? Call my situation pitiful, Pastor? Yeah. We think we have it together sometimes, but the reality is is that we're all blind, naked, wretched, and poor. And right from the Old Testament days, God was saying, but come to me, buy gold refined from the fire. Jesus is the way we get to him. If we would just stop running around trying to make sure we don't miss what God has for us. And if we would stop running around trying to fill our eyes and our faces with everything that might be what Jesus has for us, and just spend time with him, listening, reading what he wrote to 30-some different authors, he'll show you that he's all that you need to forgive the person that's unforgivable in your life, to let go of the hurt, the pain, the frustration, the anger. I know people are stupid. They're jerks. A whole lot of other names. But so am I. Jesus, I just pray right now for each one of us as we sit here and we look ahead and we take a moment to look behind today. And God, 
just pray that you would help each person in this room to become entirely focused on the reality that it's you who do the miracles. That it's obedience to you that causes your word to go into the world and accomplish what it intended. That it's our response to you that actually draws us closer to you. That it's our response to you that actually begins to build trust in who you are. And so God, today as we take this time to consider these things, I pray that you would speak clearly to us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And Father, would you just tell us today how we should respond? Lord, for each one of us, would you just put your finger on a part of our heart, a part of our life, regardless of where we sit with you right now, would you just put your finger on some part of us? And just give us an instruction the opportunity, the chance to follow through on something you said. God, I pray that you'd help us to understand everything about who you are. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.